Happy holidays, everyone. You are listening to Mile 21 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Ben and I were lucky enough earlier this week to sit down with professional runner Austin Stiegel of the Greenville Track Club Elite. Austin shared his story, starting with his most recent PR in the 8K, then flashing back to his journey from a football player in middle school to a professional runner. I think you'll love his story. So here's Austin. All right, we are here with Austin Stiegel, professional runner with the Greenville Track Club Elite and Division II NCAA All-American, PR in the 5,000 of 1358, and a recent Road 8K PR of 2259. Austin, welcome in. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you. Before we get started, how's training going? How's life? What are you up Uh, to right now? Can't complain with any of it. Work's good. Training's good. So, you know, I'm happy where I'm at in my life. Good. Let's start right off with that uh, 8K at Richmond. Yeah. Could you give us a little bit on race day, the experience, how it all unfolded? First of all, it started off with almost missing the start. (laughs) (laughs) So... Great way to always come up on a race. <laughs> Long story short, uh, it was the uh, wheelchair start, not the actual oh. start for the elite in the field. So uh, my teammate and I, Ryan, uh, t- we were pushing people out of the way to get to the to the start. <laughs> but adrenaline was already there, let's just say that. I guess so. so. Uh, get to the start, and uh, I feel like the preparation coming up to the race, I felt fast, I felt fit, uh, everything was clicking consistency was there um i was just how do i race how how is it gonna present itself so gun goes off and the goal was is go out with the leaders whatever that pace is let's just go out and and attack it from the beginning i'm usually not the type to attack in the beginning but uh with my recent months of racing i just found myself slacking in the beginning not being involved I decided to just go out from the gun and pace went out smooth. Mile one goes through, 440. I'm like, okay, I'm happy with this. Checking all boxes, you know, going into this first mile, two, three. And then coming up on four, I find myself still with the leaders, except for uh, Furman Elites, Craig Nowak, and uh, Troy, and one other guy. They started to, to, created gap so at mile four I, I found myself still feeling comfortable and knew if I didn't go with them now that that chance might disappear knowing those two athletes were from an elite so I went ahead and pushed my way ahead of the pack that I was with that was falling back and was sitting behind Troy Reader and uh, Craig and another guy I was I wasn't on their t- you know, heels, but I was sitting back, but I was in striking distance. So thoughts running through my mind, I'm like, I'm still feeling good. You know, it always gets to the point where you're feeling tired, but (laughs) you push yourself through that and and you avoid the negative thoughts that could present itself. And I'm just keeping that gap. I just want to stay in in striking distance. I didn't want to like make a move too early and and regret that move or cause the the race to... uh, pick up earlier than I wanted to because I'm thinking racing strategy I want to win this thing I'm feeling good so going through mile five still in the same striking distance and then I decide from there to the finish I'm going to slowly work my way up 
because I noticed Troy and the other guy were from Zap Fitness slowly falling off of Craig. So I was like, Craig's picking up pace or these two are slowing down. So I decided to, to start making a move. I went around the Zap Fitness guy and Troy and started really pressing hard for Craig. At the time, I thought I could really, you know, make this a race at the end. It's pressing, pressing, pressing. Uh, but as anyone knows about Richmond, basically the, the saying goes, once you start the downhill finish, mm. that's kind of how it ends up. I was moving up on uh, Craig, and I thought, you know, I had enough time, but I misjudged my my kick at the end, and by, before I knew it, we were hitting the top of the hill to start finishing down the hill. Mm. And it's not that I lost confidence in catching Craig. Uh, I gave it my best shot, you know, came all the way through the line. Uh, but Craig, you know, he, we hit the got the downhill before me, and the gap just kind of stayed there. And he's an excellent, you know, racer, athlete as mm-hmm. a whole. So just to be able to finish where I was, I was extremely happy with uh, – wasn't sure what the time was. I thought I was sub-23. Okay, I was going to uh, ask if that, when you saw that he had the win, if knowing time kind of reframed your goal at all it, coming down the stretch. Exactly, exactly what it did. Uh, I, I saw. I remember I saw 22.50, mm-hmm. and at this point in the race, I'm pushing the downhill as much as I can without falling. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that hill at Richmond is pretty dangerous, though. So. But at the same time, it's pretty fun to, yeah. <laughs> to be able to finish that way. But I saw 22.50, and I, I just started gunning for it. I remember short strides. Coach and I have been really working on shorter my stride at the end and going all the way through the line. I saw 22.59, 23 flat. Wasn't sure. But at the end of the day, I was extremely happy with my position and exceeding my expectations going into that race. That's uh about a 437-ish per mile pace, right, for yeah. 8K? That's yep, correct. A heck of a performance. I want to touch more a little bit on this from something you said there about changing your strategy a little bit early on. You wanted to be with the leaders at the beginning based on some previous races leading up to that. Was that about getting mentally engaged to be there, to be ready to attack, or, or what led to approaching it maybe a little bit differently than some other recent performances? It's it's more of just uh, getting involved. If you, I mean, I've always pursued being the best, but I've always restricted myself a little bit, and I wouldn't say lack of confidence, but maybe just the the people I'm surrounded with in the race. You know, looking at these guys, and sometimes those thoughts cross your mind, like, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be with him. Yeah, putting your own ceiling. Yeah, on so your I kind of cap myself off, and in this race here, I. Leading up to this race, before I want to say the summer had started, I had a pretty rough encounter with an injury that happened in October, which kind of kept me out of the question for a while. But uh worked through that and, and got through what I needed to. And it kind of started with Reedy, and that was the first one back officially. Mm-hmm. But uh, the injury was still lingering around in the abdomen area. And then I just... Leading up to Richmond, I was letting it control me, mm. the injury. You know, you, you start to have thoughts on, like, sure of the injury, and you always, you know, want to be cautious with those things, especially with how long I'd been dealing with it. I just told myself, 
you're one of the best ones out here yeah. too you know there's no difference between him and I we're out here for the same reason and let's just go for it I've done it in the past and it's been a while since I had done it so I just wanted to to be involved again and yeah. it, it turned out to be what I needed I love that I, I hope more people keep that in mind when they're racing and that's fantastic so I know you and Benji here go back a little bit. Yeah, it's a bud of mine. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to Ben now next to take us back to the beginning of Austin Stiegel, pro runner before he was pro runner. Oh. Yeah, so you've always been a peach, but especially a Gaffney peach. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, Austin ran at Gaffney High School, not really known for distance running. You kind of changed that conversation. Could you just talk a little bit about how you gained interest and then your involvement in the sport. Why'd you start running? It was really a a thing that um, at first I was a football player for Gaffney. Mm. That that is the town. Football is the town. So most men go for the football route because that's what Gaffney revolves around. So at one time I thought, you know, I wanted to be a football player and I wanted to be out there on Friday nights and be a Gaffney Indian on the field. What position were you playing? Wide receiver. I was say, so you I, better be. <laughs> so I did play little lead football and uh, went up into that. And then before joining uh, high school football, uh, decided to give track a shot. And it was a buddy of mine. Uh, his name's Eddie Sutton. Uh, he no longer runs, but him and I just went out there. We, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, my stepdad, Tripp Patterson, he had put it into my you know head a little bit as well so why not let's just go out there and it's a full circle when you when I just take a step back and look at it because I went out to jump hurdles I wanted to do the 400 meter hurdles and just a quick fast forward here I am steepling yeah 15 years later which is new to me 2016 was the first time I even attempted the steeplechase it was just a Something different. We we didn't really know what we were getting into, and um, next thing I knew, I had a coach, my high school coach, Kevin Hammond. He he approached me and and asked, would I run a one mile time trial for him? So with no endurance training, nothing to to give him any signs. I think he just kind of noticed me on the track and maybe something different about me. So I went for my first time trial, and it ended up being a six flat for, for a 1,600 meter. I didn't even know. He just kept telling me, one more lap, you know, or two more laps. He just counted down for me. He just told me to go. And he just gave me this look that I'll never forget. And it just kind of changed my whole perspective on what I wanted to do as an athlete because I had wow. played basketball, played football. He just looked at me and said, son, you're a distance runner. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know what I was getting into. But I just I just knew the look in his eyes just struck my interest. It just kind of started from there. And cross country was my first season as a runner. And as an early runner, you see a lot of growth on mm-hmm. on both sides, men and women. It's just – and I was addicted to it. I, I just – as each day I ran, it uh, started to improve vastly. It was It was something that – I'd never seen uh, with the sport like I was playing beforehand, you know. I wasn't seeing that type of improvement. So I dedicated everything to it. I, I stopped pursuing football. I stopped 
skateboarding as much because uh, I was told, you know, let's there's scholarship opportunity in this sport and the way things are going for you, it, it could present itself. So my whole high school career, I was just college. Nobody in my family's been to college. Take that back. No one's graduated from college. <laughs> That's what I had in mind. I had a really good feeling about it. I felt like I belonged. I never really felt like I belonged on the football field or in the locker room. I didn't feel like I belonged in that type of environment. And it was just a different different, different atmosphere for the cross country and track program. Uh, so I get through high school. Well, no, let's not get through high school yet. We had a, yeah. we had a bump there. Yeah, let's jump to uh, senior year. You're talking about hopefully college is looking at you. For me, I, I'm a couple years younger than you. The first time I really ever heard your name or like saw you up front was eye opener your senior year. For those who don't know, eye opener is one of the biggest cross country meets in the state. And this skinny kid from Gaffney finished second and just ran out of his mind. Was that the same for you as I perceived it? Like that was the big breakthrough for me seeing you. That was the first time I had a college coach approach me. Really? Uh, So that was something different and starting in the eighth grade and working my way through each year that was the goal is to get to college and and it finally happened I had someone approach me I don't even recall the school it, I was I was on such a high after that race because what people don't know and I don't know if they believe it or not but my coach at the time which was my stepdad I mean officially my coach was Kevin Hammett, but my stepdad over the years had worked his way into the environment. He he first started at the top of the hill watching each practice. He would be there each day. He just made his way closer and closer. <laughs> started to get to know some names, and they started to know who he was. And next thing I know, he's he's on the track with a whistle <laughs> uh, coaching me. And That's awesome. uh, so here we are. My stepdad actually had me do 24 four hundreds the day before oh gosh the opener so oh, no. i was nowhere close to being ready I thought. had, had yeah. you been bad at home why was he making you <laughs> no nah. uh the, the the approach was is like hey this is the first race of the year let's race tired okay uh there's nothing to prove on this race let's let's race tired let's see how tough you are i remember him saying let's see how tough you are and you're pretty tough my, yeah. <laughs> appreciate it i had no idea the outcome would have came that way. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to race well, but at the same time, you, I had this thought in my head, you know, I just ran a workout the day before. So gun goes off. Next thing I know, I'm battling my high school rival, Sage, to get second overall. He he outdid me in the last bit of the race, but at the end of the day, I was extremely happy, And but it all came to a halt. Yeah. A couple weeks later, uh, things started to shut down. The body was shutting down on me. I was, was weak. Even even walking around, I was becoming weaker and weaker each day, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, even my stepdad was as clueless as me. We we thought maybe I worked too hard over the summer, because going into my senior year, I knew it was my last shot to to open some eyes, because no one's ever left Gaffney to run, mm-hmm. far as I know. So I was like trying to do everything I could possibly do and. I think I overdid it. I was working construction, I was training, and I was doing a program called Insanity, 
which is a lot of plyometric workouts Mm -hmm. and, and body weight stuff. So that whole summer I was hitting all three of those things extremely hard. And, um, I raced and the race went well, like we said, but after that, I just started to notice a change, the change, the the way I was like feeling each day. And I wasn't sure what was going on. I, I thought maybe I wasn't resting enough. I thought maybe it was girls. Uh, start to get involved with the girls and, uh, trying to date uh, so it's probably what it was it could have been I mean that's the reason why I ran past the eye opener another reason trying to impress a girl um, the truth is out the truth is out just kept chopping at me we didn't really take it serious we, we kind of just made up assumptions and maybe like it was mental maybe I wasn't getting the rest I needed maybe School is stressing me out. Who knows? Maybe there is something wrong with me. But that was the last thing we wanted to approach, which going back, maybe it should have been the first thing, but Mm -hmm. things happen for a reason. So I go from finishing second, fast forward to the end of the year. I run a 21.30, and um, I, I don't even know... It just happened so fast the year. It was just each race was getting worse. Couldn't figure it out. But I made it to state, and I made and I I was determined to to prove everybody wrong that Austin's not done. Although I didn't know what was going on with me at the time, I won regionals, passed that out of the line, threw up multiple times in the race, <laughs> but I got across that line to get to state, and then at state I passed out probably a hundred yards to go gosh i remember that it, it was uh I, I watched a video on that and oh, it was tough sad. to watch we yeah. we still have that my dad has it but uh i was in sixth place and i topped the hill at the sand hills and i am done i like i am hurting like and then all of a sudden lights out i don't remember much after all i just watched the video so i know i got up and fell and repeated that about seven times. Crawled across the line. I went from sixth place to 82nd. Oh. It was a gruesome thing to, to watch. And it took me hours to recover like it had done in the past. We, we noticed that too, that after each workout, each after each race, even an easy run, my recovery time was like extending. It was just becoming a more of like a chore to like get recovered. Mm-hmm. It took me a couple hours to get back. They they had medical tents. Drink this, drink that. I, I don't really remember much, but watching the video, I got across that line. So although I lost all my scholarship offers mm-hmm. my senior year due to this anemia is what mm-hmm. I had. Finally went to the doctors. Doctors looked at me, and, and he told me, I, I don't even know how you're standing is what he said. So I was like, okay, well, what do we do from here? Got onto some supplements, which I still take today because if I don't, my body will go right back to where it was. What about your diet? Has that affected your diet since? Are there things that you eat to try to help out with that? Because I think this could be a practical piece for people listening because you didn't realize it until the end of the season. But a lot of runners deal with that issue, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more on the women's side, but it does happen on both sides. Um, so yeah, with my diet, I do I do like to factor in a lot of 
high iron foods such as spinach and a lot of people don't want to hear it but liver mush it's, it's you know it's the highest richest iron that you can get as far as like making it quick and it's right there on the shelf for you to get uh but yeah i just started to really incorporate that you know steak and stuff mm-hmm. man steak and liver mush yeah. however will you choose <laughs> so but no matter how bad your anemia is it's a process to all runners out there that experience any type of small signs, I say attack it now because if you let it get too far, it's a process that could take months, even a year to bounce back from. In my case, it took about six months. So Uh, you ended up signing and going to a two-year school, junior college, Spartanburg Methodist College, and uh, ran under Mike Foley there. Talk a little bit about that transition what was your mindset going into this? Was it still that like chip on your shoulder, like I'm here to prove I belong here type mentality? What were your initial thoughts? Because you didn't really have a team per se in high school, no one really to run with. Yeah, I was so, training them all. Yeah. So what was that whole experience like for you? Well, I was blessed. I was I was super happy <clears throat> to even hear that someone was interested because I had watched everything just disappear. I mean, offers from schools like Winthrop, and and at the time I wasn't aware of like how big schools were, but I was getting some other Division One opportunities. At first, I was a little sour about it, but after speaking to him, he's been watching me since I was in the tenth grade. So he, or before that, eighth grade, he he had been watching me, and I knew nothing about this, and coaches um, and Gaffney had been like keep an eye on him keep an eye on him and a full circle he he saw his opportunity and although I was at my weakest point in my career he he didn't even see that he just visioned right right through it and, and saw what I could be at first it was a little salty but I saw that you know here's an opportunity and take it everything else is gone you're not completely healed but I know who I am, and I know what I can be, so let's give it a shot. So I went with SMC. Um, you know, things sometimes don't go the way it's supposed to be that you plan it to be. So I took it, and yeah, I felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. I, I thought I was better than Juco, and uh, that might sound a little cocky, but um, I would not take anything and change it. I mean, I'm so glad I went through Mike Foley and the JUCO approach and then going to opportunity to go D2. I just knew who I was and what I can be. And and after talking with Foley many times, I just knew that he believed in me more than I did at the time. So I said, let's give it a shot. Speaking about him taking a chance on it and both of you believing in you. Your high school PR in the 5K was? 16-17. And you left SMC with running what in the 5K? 14-32. That's pretty insane for two years. It was it was a definitely a, a good experience for me. I'm thankful for every moment, although that man was mean. <laughs> uh, very mean man, uh, aggressive, but he was caring at the same time. He, he just cared so much for each of his athletes. And that man, I will respect him to the day I die and meet him again. So so I know that him believing in you and instilling some confidence back in you certainly had to be part of that improvement. Anything you would add about 
the training there, anything physically, your approach to racing that helped add to that two-minute improvement that you had from where you were in high school? Because that's exceptional. And I'm sure that that, just that belief and confidence was a huge part of it. But what was changing in your training approach? Biggest thing I would say would be mileage and some people to run with. I had never experienced teammates that I had to work to keep up with. So that was a diff- a new new thing for me. And at first, you know, when you when you come out of an environment where you think you're the best and you get this thought that, you know, you're better than what you really are. So I, I stepped onto the to into the program and started to run with these guys and I realized like I have a lot to grow. There's there's it's a humbling. lot of room to grow. So I, I became humble. Like there's so much more out there that I don't know about. I was so blind to the to the sport because uh, I was caught up into the the high school like Gaffney star, and that's all I knew. And so with the training there, I started to experience higher intensity, longer weeks in the mileage range. Was, we were, I mean, in two years, fully had me up to almost nearly a hundred miles a week. So I really climbed that ladder pretty quickly. And and luckily, I was fortunate enough that my stepdad worked me to get me ready for college. He knew after years of working with me and researching, he, he really put a lot of time and research that at the time I wasn't really uh, noticing it and wasn't really thankful. But now that I you know look back on it, I'm so thankful my stepdad went and put that time in research to understand what I needed as an athlete to to continue my career so he kind of got me ready on the mileage part so yes it increased a little bit but not enough to where it could cause injury so Foley worked with me because he knew I was recovering from anemia but I was basically back on all cylinders I uh, maybe down one or two but I was there I just said let's get to work I the biggest thing that I kept reminding myself is I know where my limits are because I've passed out. <laughs> so <laughs> I know what it's like to pass out. So I know what my body can can do. I'm going to push my body until I feel it again. So training started and, and I was taking my supplements. The whole week feeling was gone and he did a fantastic job. And although he left us in July and it was a pretty sad phone call that I received. That man was a big impact on my life, and if it wasn't for him, I definitely wouldn't have went to college to run because he was the only opportunity. So thanks fully. So he gives you that great opportunity for those two years that you certainly took advantage of with that incredible improvement. Then what happens next? Where do you go from junior college, right, because this is another stepping stone in your career? Yeah. And you're moving on to NCAA Division Two, and where'd you go now? Uh, I went to the University of Mount Olive. It's a D2 school out in North Carolina, right in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, nothing's out there. It's, closest thing to us is the beach, which is Wilmington, which was over an hour away, and then we had Raleigh, North Carolina, which was another hour in the opposite direction. So we are in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the reason for choosing that was 
It was more Foley was involved with that decision. I had offers from D1, Liberty University, Florida State, Clemson University, Kansas. The list goes a little bit longer on that. After talking to Foley and and then uh, Foley telling me how Coach Matt Van Lierup does things at University of Mount Olive, it was like parallel line. The training was there. It was like no changes, and Foley convinced me that I can get better there. He said, you're, you're ready. The training's there. I've spoke to this uh, coach multiple times. I have a really good feeling on his approach. We're very similar, but different at the same time. Uh, at first, I wanted to go D1. You know, it's, it's the, the dream of an athlete. Let's go Division I. But with finances, and I decided to go D2 and try to get college, you know, use my talents more than just run fast. Let's, let's pay for school. Let's get the education, which is more important. Yet again, I don't regret it. Uh, my experience there was absolutely unforgettable. You enter Mount Olive. You're surrounded by nothing. You're five, six hours away from home. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Because SMC was, what, maybe an hour drive for you, max? Yeah, max. <laughs> I mean, I was 45 minutes away from home, and I thought that was far. <laughs> so... It took a little bit of convincing on a multiple people to, to get me to go. My mom didn't want me to go. <laughs> of um, course not. But moms are like that. And, you know, they want to keep their kids as close as they can. Plus, my brother stuck around, and he, he competed at Limestone University or Limestone College. So I get out there, and I'm just driving. I, I, and another thing that made it easier is uh, Matt Benlair, at my coach, he... He actually re- recruited really hard at SMC because we had played second overall at the NG- NJCAA. He wanted that team. Coach okay. Matt wanted everybody in the <laughs> top five and, and more if he could. Him and Foley, like I said, had a relationship and, and knew the training was similar. So Coach Matt wanted to like branch off from the freshman approach and like let's grab some guys that are ready to, to jump right into my program because they are doing what I'm doing basically. And he, he was uh, fortunate enough to grab John Rayborn and uh, Dylan Blackwell. So that definitely made it much easier to go there, knowing I had teammates. So we all went as a group, made our way up. You're there four months, and you get to run a national championship. What was that first D2 cross-country nationals like for you? Again, it was, it was something that I look back on today and, and thankful. It was a stage I had never seen. JUCO Nationals is competitive and it's respectable, but as you climb that ladder, D2, D3, D1, the competition starts to get quicker. We get there at Spokane, Washington, and I'm ready to roll. I I knew these guys I've been training with. Like We had rankings of um, predictions of top 12, which would make the school records just shatter. So... Gun went off, and I thought it I went well for me, but as a team, we did a school record, a 16th overall. I wasn't extremely happy with my performance, but uh, I wasn't disappointed at the same time. I had a teammate of mine, uh, Aki Kitagawa, and me, we, we ran together and placed okay, and we played 16th, and it was a school record, so we left with smiles on our face, although we went in with high hopes of getting top 12. So, you get on the track, you're going to have some performances now where 
you can exceed some of those hopes even that you had going into that cross-country meet. Talk about some of the track highlights that made you an NCAA All-American at Mount Olive. With track, uh, it's it's my favorite season. Like mm-hmm. I, track seasons, me cross country and in high school, it it was my thing. I, I loved cross country more than track. But as time passed, I found my love for track more than cross country. And opening up my first year in a uh, Division two on the track, uh, expectations for myself, I I set them pretty high. The goal was to qualify for the NCAA's. Leading up into the 5K, I run 14, 18, uh, something like that, and I fell short by one position. Mm. So they in the D2 league, there's a cutoff, and each cutoff is different for each event. They want to maximize the amount of males, and they want to maximize the females. Then they take a step back and look at how competitive each event is, and then they make their selections. And they usually take up to 20 in each event. And they took 17, and I was 18. So I was devastated, but at the same time, I was happy with a new PB, and I was happy with the way my training was going. So I go home, and I shut it down. Coach is like, the chances of you getting in is one in a million. I said, okay, let's just shut it down, take a few days off, get back to training after that. I'm a week into my uh, mini vacation, so to speak. I'm working construction back home with my stepdad, and I get a phone call from Coach, and I'm on the job, and he says, you're in. And and I'm like, at this time, I'm, I'm not even thinking about running. I'm working. He's like, you're in. Do you hear me? And I said, I hear you, but what do you mean? And he was like, do you want to compete in the 5K championships in Michigan? I said, you mean I'm in? And he was like, yes, you're in. The injury happened, and they went to the 5K, and you're next. I said, let's go. I said, I'm not ready, but let's get the experience. That That's how the conversation went. He was like, if anything, we'll get some NCAA experience. Stepdad was pumped. He's excited. And he's like, you go now. I'm going to get the RV ready. Like, we're going to Michigan. So I leave work midday, and, you know, getting off work early is always nice. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so I get on a plane that same day in Charlotte, what? make my way to Michigan, and I race two days later. Oh, wow. My Jeez. stepdad drove 15 hours straight to get there. Did he have you hammer a bunch of 400s beforehand? No, okay. no not at all. I had to take a seven days off, remember? I'm going into this with no Yep, no you're training. tapered. Yeah. <laughs> So coach convinced me that it would be a, a good opportunity for experience, and then he also convinced me that, hey, people do this all the time. <laughs> you know, you can run well still. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, well, maybe I'll run well. I'm really rested. <laughs> so I get there, and I just race. The race doesn't go as planned. There was no plan. <laughs> it was just race. Enjoy the environment. Get in, get the experience in. So I ended up running 1442 after taking seven days off and nice. I wasn't disappointed but at the same time like I knew what I was capable of before taking seven days mm-hmm. off and uh, so check that off my list I made it that was the goal and I was happy and then going into the next year improving the 5k that I had already you know set that goal 5k is my race that's where I want to put my focus in Training's going well. I'm racing well. I run 14:08 at Raleigh Relays. We know for a fact that's 
that's getting me in. But if anyone knows me really well, the big races are my biggest problem. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to admit that. I had a very hard problem with championship racing. Even when I went to Mount Olive, fully mentioned to Matt Van Lerup that he's got a, a mental issue in the championship race. He doesn't know what it is. I think you can get it out of him. And if you can, then there's no ceiling. I go into my senior year, which is a junior on the track because SMC didn't have a track program at the time. I make it to the NCAAs. Championship day comes and I choke. It's something I've done multiple times in the past. Cross country I choked at, for Mount Olive. And yet again I choked at the NCAAs. It's more of, I think, the pressure I put on myself, expectations, getting around, I guess, the uh, superstar, so to speak. And I, and I don't know, I just crumble. It was a very hard thing for me to accept. And it took a while for me to accept, but after my senior year, junior year on the track, I just decided to come back a fifth year because I had the eligibility and change my entire approach at championship stage. I did just that. Oh, yes, you did. So let's talk about a little before the race in that season. So you were a 5,000 guy. That was what your heart was set on. Yeah. But you started dipping your feet in the water pit a little bit and tried out the steeplechase. Well, at first I cleared the water pit. But oh, <laughs> nice. Yes. So bring up how that conversation started. Okay. Uh, super senior year. So we go into it, same drive. And the whole year coming up, leading up to the opening track, because I had to run cross country with no racing. I raced unattached a couple of times. But I was no, I was on the team. I'm just training. I was the athletic student, like uh, assistant coach. So I was helping out there and training with the guys that I had been training with for two years. Track season rolls around and focuses on the 5K. And leading up to that, my main focus was like, enjoy this last year. It doesn't matter what stage you're on. Let's just race. Have fun. So I'm focusing on the 5K. Go to Raleigh Relays, I run 14.10. Not a PR, but it's enough to get me in so I can build off that. Coach always liked to throw me in a 10K here and there to work on my strength, although he knew it wasn't my favorite event. <laughs> so I'd run the 10K, and then 10K didn't go so hot at William & Mary, and I was pretty upset with myself. And then Coach was like, after – back and forth conversation he just said hey let's just change it up uh, what do you think of the steeplechase I don't know anything about the steeplechase <laughs> and I had a teammate of mine Frederick Lane he had begged me since day one to run the steeple he was our steepler and he was like you just don't know it you just don't know it he just kept saying that you need to steeple nah I'm not a steepler I'm a 5k guy <laughs> you know I'm stuck in my ways this is my last year I can't just make changes my first steeple was in Charlotte. Just did it for fun. The guys wanted just me to do it. I had run an 800 and I had run a 4x8. Alright, I'll do the steeple. It doesn't matter. It's just for fun. And then with no barrier practice, no water pit practice, I just ran a 918. 
and coach was like, if we can just jump the barriers instead of putting my, I put my foot on every steeple <laughs> and I was just afraid of, of getting hurt because it was yeah. supposed to just be a joke yeah, you're still a 5k guy at this point <laughs> so the guys you know had all my whole team sitting at the water pit they've been waiting on this moment for years <laughs> just want to see Austin jump the water pit I cleared the whole water pit by a foot like literally uh, no water no nothing and then my next go around, you know, coach had coached me like, let's try to hit the water that you don't need to miss the water. That's what helps the impact. So I finished that race and uh, we want to get away from the 5K and get away from the 10K. I had experienced a bad race and coach was like, let's just try the steeple again, but let's, let's race. Let's go out there and pace John. And so at Duke University, I hop in the race and I find myself the the pace that the guys were trying to go they were trying to go uh 905 and i found myself too comfortable and at this point i had a couple more hours in practice <laughs> although it was on the grass and we only had one steeple and no water pit to practice we didn't have a track at mount olive when i was there I found the pace comfortable and i and coach i looked at coach and he's like go around and so i, I made a move and i went around the the lead pack and finished the race on my own and found myself running 8.58 and not even breathing, you know, extreme. I was too excited. You know, sometimes adrenaline takes over tiredness and you forget. And I just looked at Coach, just giving me these hand signals like, <laughs> what the heck just happened? Like, are you serious? You just went sub nine. You're a steepler. If anything, you're both 5K and steeple. So I said, what is this steeple chase? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> And I Would got, that put you in the country ranking-wise for D2 at that point? Uh, it had put me second. Yeah, not bad for No, no, sorry. I, no, I was, uh, maybe it was second. Taking me back in my days here. Uh, <laughs> I want to say second. It was definitely up there by, uh, with the top. So you're among one of just a few guys, at least, that we know in 3K Steeple, Division Two in the country, is sub-9 after really just one attempt at the event having any idea what you were doing yeah i call that that's a good start yeah (laughs) most definitely i consider that my first steeple yeah sure and then we said we're going to train for the 5k but we're going to run steeple and 5k at the ncaa's i think this it's just everything happens for a reason when you look back at it it's like if it wasn't for the steeple i may have approached ncaa's like I always do, and let the pressure get to me. But I was in an event that I had no idea. You didn't know enough to feel any pressure, did you? Exactly. (laughs) Get to Michigan, Grand Valley. Yeah. It's prelims. I watched the first heat go, and I saw that I need to run. You know, if I can get the pace to go nine flat and be top four, I should be top four and be able to get to the final based off the first wave. So, and our coach looked at me, he's like, you ran 9.858, no problem, let's do it. So I said, okay, well, you know, no pressure. We, he reminded me of what we started the season with, like, let's have fun. Forget where you're at, just race. That's what I did. I controlled the, the pace, and I made sure the pace was going 9 flat, and coming into 200 meters, I slowed up and realized, you know, I need to be top four. So I eased back, and I didn't win prelims, but it's prelims. 
<laughs> and I got fourth. And I looked at coach, and he was like, you're in the final. Okay, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I did something right and at the higher level. I at least made it to finals. And, yeah. and before that, I hadn't done much. I mean, I've, I've competed every year at the NCAAs and the NJCAAs, but I've never really been successful. So wait, that was a step forward. Yeah, you kind of ticked the, ticked the box of doing good work at the national meet. Yeah, I continued the story. Finals is the next day, so coach said, let's do the same thing. Control the race if you have to. So gun goes off, and I control it until there's 300 meters to go in the race. What's going through your mind at 300 meters? Can you remember that moment, 300 to go? You're still controlling this race at the national championship? Yeah, I, I thought I was going to win. Before that, I was thinking that with 800 to go, the way I was feeling, the way the race was playing out, it was it was playing in the way I wanted it to play out. I was like, I can win this. And then once you get the, the positive thinking starts coming yeah. in, and that's all that's flowing through your mind, like things change. Gears start to change. It, it's, it's a whole nother experience when you race. So we're going into 300 meters to go, and I'm thinking the same thing. I can win this. But then the pace started to really press. They got some people went around me. This guy from Hillcrest or Hillsdale, mm-hmm. he's the one that won it, a uh, freshman. He he shot around us like a rocket, and then some went with him. And I found myself back in fifth place with 250 to go. I didn't lose confidence. Okay, it's time to finish. And I go into... You have a barrier, water oh, I remember pit, this. <laughs> and then a barrier. So I have three to go. Mm-hmm. I go to jump the barrier thinking, okay, I'm All-American. I was like, I can stay All-American, but I trip. <laughs> I trip over the barrier, didn't fall, but I hit the third one from the last. I have to interject here. Yeah. Please do. I ran at North Greenville University, and we were in the same conference. <laughs> Our entire guys team was watching this on my laptop in my dorm room. <laughs> and when you hit that hurdle, you should have heard seven guys scream so high pitched. <laughs> it was insane. Please continue. Yeah, so so I clipped my lead leading foot on the on the hurdle and I find myself losing balance but not rolling and falling on the track. And I lose even more on the leader. I lose seconds. Yeah. And it just woke me up. It was like a, holy crap, like I almost fell. And <laughs> I can't coast. Can't coast. And like I think it's just that moment, I just hit this adrenaline. It woke me up. I knew I had like, I was awake and I was racing and, you know, competing. But it just hit me like a wall. And I just took off. Hit the water pit. Next thing I know, like I go around two guys because I have a better water pit. I'm moving through the field like I think I can get second. I'm in fourth place. I can get second, and I'm just kicking with everything I got. I got one more barrier to go, and closing in onto the finish line, I, I get in the third, and then right at the line, like I out lean an athlete for second place. I mean, one one thousandth of a second. There I am, runner up in the steeplechase. Before that, I'd never done anything. At the, at the high level, I didn't know how to react. I just remember <laughs> yelling, like, yes, finally. You know, I've been dedicating every day to this sport. I'm getting what I've wanted. Yeah, what a culmination of a collegiate career from the 
little kid in football town Gaffney who's putting in the six-minute mile to national runner-up All-American in an event that you never thought you were going to be in. That is an incredible course of a few years there. Now, you said leading into that, to that point, you saw yourself as a 5K guy. Since you've joined Greenville Track Club, you've had plenty of success in that event, going under 14 minutes. When you look at your career trajectory now, what's next? What are the goals going forward? What kind of targets do you have out there for your future? Going back to finishing second, before that, I didn't see my career going any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I was able to come back a third day and get second team All-American in the 5K. And then doors started to present itself. So fast forward, I applied to multiple running teams. Uh, my coach at the time at Mount Olive is reaching out to people he knows, his connections. And Mike Codwell ends up being the man that pulls me in. And I had been turned down by a couple of teams at Fitness and uh, Furman Elite. But it was due to um, Olympic year. You know, it's 2016. It's, it's a tough time to, to enter the pro stage of the sport. Nobody's really looking to expand a team. They're, they're really wanting to focus on their athletes that they have now and get to the trials. Uh, but it, it wasn't with that with Mike. And not not saying he wasn't focusing on his athletes because he did have uh, – we did have three athletes go to the trials, Ricky Flynn, Mark Leninger, and Dylan Hassett. Correct, four. Four went, two girls, two uh, guys. Mike reached out to me and gave me hope. I had been turned down twice, and uh, I hadn't given up just what, just yet. So uh, Mike and I, we, we connected, and he was interested, and – Next thing I know, I'm signing a two-year contract to train with the Greenville Track Club Elite. So far, it's it's been an experience that I, yet again, don't regret. Um, you know, as as leaving college, you know, everybody thinks, even including my parents, get a job. It's time to grow up. <laughs> the dream chasing is done. Uh, but in my eyes, I, I just wasn't done, and it, my parents, they accepted it. But at the same time, I could sense that they didn't accept it because you know it's time to grow up you need to get a job you need to make money you gotta get health insurance (laughs) you know all that stuff uh yeah i'm sure part of that too like you're the first one in your family with a college degree yes yeah in their eyes maybe you weren't using it exactly you know that's another thing you know i was first technically i wasn't the first to graduate oh that's right your younger brother yeah so my brother was at limestone college like i mentioned and uh he went four years and i went five years yeah that's the only race he ever beat you in yeah (laughs) (laughs) no no he beat me when i was anemic (laughs) scoreboard yeah Yeah. i even lost to my stepdad (laughs) and my girlfriend at the time but we won't go back to that we all Uh, lost to her oh jeez. but he graduated a few days before me (laughs) Yeah, so technically I wasn't the first, but yeah, you got a degree. And, you know, my mom is like, you had you had your shot, you know, you had fun. You did everything you could ever dream of, you know. You just finished second, second team All-American 5K, you know. If this doesn't work out as a pro runner, it doesn't mean your life is done. You know, mm-hmm. there's you got so much more 
to to learn and to experience. But I and and at the time I was I was on the fence. Like, should I continue or should I not? You know, there's not much opportunity in the running industry, but there is opportunity. Doors that you can open up. So I just gave it a shot. I just wasn't ready to move on. So that's when another uh, pivotal point in my career started. We're going to take that look ahead a little bit in your career, but also hit you with a bunch of quick questions here to to wrap up. All right, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, We're going to go to the bell lap with Austin (laughs) Stiegel and get some quick hitters. So we'll start. Fast finish. (laughs) That's right. We'll start with your running career. A goal for 2019? Definitely 1350 in the 5K or better. And um, just make my way in the steeple. I'd love to go 840. Cool. A favorite workout on the track? Uh, it, it's new to me. It's, it's, it's a workout that uh, Mike introduced to me. It's called Broken Mile. It goes as a... It goes 600, float 200, 400, float 200, finish with the 200. And we, we do that pretty often, and it really helps my steeple as well with the pace change. Mm. So Broken Mile would definitely be my favorite workout, although mile repeats is a long one to do. <laughs> yeah. A post-race craving you have, what's the first thing you want to eat after you finish racing? I want soda. Okay. Amen. And I and I don't really drink soda. I don't want much. I yeah. just I just want that that taste. Yeah. So I, you know that's the first thing I think about. What shoes are you training in right now? I am in the Nimbus 19s. Oh, the 20s. Sorry. Okay, Asics Nimbus. Let's go switch this more a little bit of personal life here. We're not gonna go okay. too, dive too deep into the personal life, but uh, best movie you've seen lately? Uh, that would have to be. The New Avengers movie. Good choice. Saw that on the plane. Thought Ben would like that pick. Uh, Best thing in Gaffney, South Carolina. 85. (laughs) I thought you'd say the big peach. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Your family. Family. Believe all that. uh, Family. Family. (laughs) Cool. Um, And the peach. And the peach, yeah. Celebrity crush? Uh, What's her name? I was just talking about this. Uh, <laughs> Easy A. She's oh, uh, Emma Stone. Yeah, Emma oh, Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. Okay, yes. good pick. Yeah. yeah. And outside of yourself, in the history of Conference Carolina runners, most attractive male runner the conference has ever produced. Ben Sessions. Ben Sessions. Great answer. That he was not put up to that. A wonderful answer. I thought you might say that. He is a he's a good looking guy. Yeah, there's legs. <laughs> yes. Austin, thank you so much, man. It was great. Yeah, I no loved My your stories. Loved your perspective. It was really, really fun. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. That has been mile twenty one of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast for Ben. I am Travis. As always, please email us secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you again next time. And Merry Christmas. Oh, happy Hanukkah. Woo! Woo!